What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. You guys, my book is out. I mean, it is out in the world. I cannot believe it. I have been writing it for several years and it's just mind-blowing. Birth Story, Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal is a -a one-of-a-kind discovery into your pregnancy that provides you education through storytelling. So what's it really about? In the 16 years that I have served women with every personality type, I noticed there was a huge disconnect between what my clients were craving for childbirth education in a book and the books that were actually available on the market. There seemed to be unlimited resources if you are looking for an unmedicated birth or a natural birth or a home birth. But there just weren't a lot of resources for my clients who were part of the 92% of women birthing in a hospital and very much open to medical interventions like an epidural, nitrous oxide, and opioid medications. So I wrote that book to fill the gap for you. Week by week throughout your pregnancy, you will engage with material meant to educate and empower you as you plan for your own birth story, hospital, medicated, unmedicated, or something in between. You are welcomed each week with a postcard from the womb, which is an adorable note from your baby about their miraculous development, as well as the amazing changes occurring within you. Then you are invited to use an uplifting birth affirmation and to respond to an introspective journaling prompt to document your feelings, curiosities, and wonders every single week. With room to memorialize your own birth story, this book will become a memory keeper and a legacy gift for your baby. You are encouraged to read one of my favorite birth stories each week filled with childbirth education, tidbits, and explanations of important medical terms and procedures. These are real-life accounts shared with permission from the births that I've attended during my career as a doula, and I gave you a great mix. In the 42-week guide to your pregnancy and 42 birth stories, seven of them end in cesarean section. About half are unmedicated and the other half are medicated deliveries. This is a judgment-free book. So take what you need from each element and leave the rest. Okay, are you ready to buy? I would love for you to go to birthstory.com and buy it directly from me. But I totally get it if you're an Amazon girl. You can head to amazon.com and just type in birthstorypregnancy 
and the book should pop up. I'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. And I would venture to say that you might be an audiobook kind of woman because you're listening to a podcast. So if you would prefer to listen to this book, then I have recorded it and it is available for download at audible.com or on your Audible app. Thank you for being part of the birth story community. I'm so excited for you to have this book in your hand once you've purchased it and it has arrived. I hope that you will give me your thoughts and feedback and don't forget to take a selfie with your book and post it on Instagram and tag at birthstorypodcast. Hey, it's Heidi with the Birth Story Podcast, and this week is episode 14. This story was specifically recorded for my friends, Ashley, Mandy, Louise, and everyone out there who is on a fertility journey or who has ever been on a fertility journey. Katie so vulnerably shares this amazing story, and it has one million twists, turns, surprises, all the way until the very end. This story just keeps you hanging on because you won't ever believe what comes next. I hope that this story gives hope and encouragement and light and love and makes you feel like you are not alone and that it is possible to become a mom or to become a mom again. First, just tell us a little bit about who you are. I'm Katie Gillespie. I live in Charlotte, born and raised in North Carolina, mom of four, two sets of twins, and um, married to Will and work full time. So your husband's name's Will? Will. Oh, oh, Will. Okay, sorry. That that country (laughs) slang creeps in. (laughs) I love it. So where did you grow up? I grew up near Raleigh in Wilson, North Carolina. Oh, my first college roommate was from Wilson. This is so crazy. Everybody always knows someone from Wilson. Well, you just said that you had four kids and two sets of twins. And so that's one of the reasons that you're here. Yeah. Because I think we have a lot to learn from you and I don't know your story at all. So I'm so excited. Just dig in. Let's start at the beginning. How long have you been married? So we got married in June 2008. So I guess that's coming up on 11 11 years. years. And when in your marriage did you decide that you wanted to start your family? We were in our late 20s, um, close to 30, maybe 20, 29. We were, we had just turned 26 when we got married. Okay. Wanted to kind of enjoy being married without responsibilities aside from work. And then we actually went to Disney World with my family and my nieces. And there we were like, you know, I think we're ready to take the next step. So... We just, you know, started trying all the normal ways that people do and it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. And then stop there. Yes. So like when you say it wasn't happening, so every month you, did you take a pregnancy test every month or did you no, just get your period? We just, yeah, we okay. it just had all the normal things. So it was period and, but I wasn't really tracking anything. Like we were interested in having a baby, but I wasn't like waking up every day with a goal to get pregnant. So it was just kind of like, we'll throw caution to the wind. We're not going to use birth control. We'll see what happens. But you may not have even been having sex at the right time during ovulation. Okay. How long did that go on for? Probably maybe a couple years. And then I, I, you know, I'm probably going to forget the order of events a little bit, but 
I talked to him. I can't remember if I had a miscarriage first and then I talked to my doctor about what to do or if I was talking to her about needing some help and she started me on Clomid. And then if after that is when I got pregnant and had a miscarriage. But it was... Uh, Mama of four, <laughs> two sets of twins. You don't need to know the details, it's girl. It's so crazy it's how right. going through it, it felt like that was just always on my mind. And I never imagined I'd get to a point in time where those details would become fuzzy. But it really has. But here you are. Here I am. So the first thing you said that just kind of jumps out at me is you were like a couple of years. So there's uh, probably some denial on my part. Like, oh, I'm I'm sure. I was like, were you relaxed about this? Or were you panicking? I mean, what is so at some point years sounds like a long time. (laughs) It does. Yeah, it's funny to reflect on it. But I think So at some point, I started to think, you know, there's probably something wrong, or why isn't this happening? So I read the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, at some point in those two years. And that was such an eye-opening book for me. And as I was reading it, I was like, why didn't I read this when I was in high school, when I was in college? Like, so many different times, it would have helped me understand what hormones do what and why I act cranky certain times of the month and everything about cervical mucus. I mean, everything you can imagine, it's in there. I really felt like um, I could almost be an OBGYN after I read it. Okay, I'm so excited. This is a big shout-out to this book, and we're going to link to it. Okay. Um, and so you started, who gave you, do you remember how you got the book? I think I read about it online. A friend had used it. And so I, I ordered it because I was like, you know, I'm just okay. going to try to figure this out myself. Yeah. Um, and so through that, I started realizing, you know, I'm having some mid-cycle spotting. Um, maybe my luteal phase is short than, shorter than it should be. Maybe that's something going on there. My doctor had tested my hormones, um, just standard blood work. Everything was normal. Okay. And then I wondered, well, maybe I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. I thought maybe I had some of the symptoms, but all my labs came back totally fine for that too. Let me pause right there. Mm -hmm. Because whenever I talk to moms that are dealing with fertility, all I hear is, this could be wrong with me. This could be wrong with me. This could be wrong with me. Like at any point where you like something could be wrong with him. Not really, because I was the one who was having some mid-cycle spotting. Okay. So that so was you just, just kind, kind of, of my, thought, like, this is definitely And I think that's probably just my typical personality, is it's I like tend to women. assume <laughs> I've done something wrong first. Yeah. I mean, that's just my natural. Yeah. I don't know where you're, we're going to end up in this story, like who or both, you know, um, I just want to kind of say like, if you are on a fertility journey, like both people need to get tested right away. Like it's not, you know, one person's fault or one person's, but, but it's two people trying to make, you know, a baby. So I want to make sure that we're saying out loud, you know, we need to have courageous conversations with our, um, partners about, um, it, it, the the issue could be coming from either side. Absolutely. So you noticed some things, though, that were going on with your own body that were question marks for you. That's right. At some point, remember, the details are fuzzy. I talked to my doctor, tried Clomid for three months. What was that like? Every day I wondered, will I have twins from this? Like, that was my <laughs> thought. I was like, well, I think I'm at an increased risk for twins. Maybe this yeah. will work. And, and then it, it didn't. Maybe it was after that. I, I did get pregnant. We had my husband and I were at the beach and we had a good time. And then I 
wasn't getting a period and took a test and it was positive. And I was like, this actually worked. My body figured it out. And, but then, uh, I don't know, a day or two later I started spotting and then we went on vacation to the beach again and spotting continued, continued. And, I, and then I realized this wasn't gonna last. And, um, did you take another pregnancy test? Not while I was there. Okay. I mean, I was Googling everything possible. Yeah. Um, and because so, I just want to say that just if anyone's listening, just because you are pregnant and you're spotting does not mean you're miscarrying. It can true. mean that you're miscarrying. But I, if anyone's pregnant and they're spotting right now, I just don't want everyone to get scared that it's definitely a miscarriage. It can be um, it can be many, many things, including implantation, bleeding. Um, it can be a little bit of blood that pulls like behind the place. There's a million things. But mm-hmm. but in I your was hoping case, it would be one of those things. Yeah. But as the week went on it became clear did it to get me. more were you bleeding more and more mm-hmm. okay yep. so bleeding is increasing yep now increasing that would be and then sign. like after five days it it just became clear that this okay. this was something more okay so we got back home called my doctor went in no sign of being pregnant um, okay. from their exam but I knew I had been in some capacity because a test said so, but, uh, you know, so after that, um, my doctor referred me to a fertility specialist and I think it was probably like that was in October ish. And I think it was like that January checked my husband. Um, everything was fine with him. Some of my lab work showed that, um, Maybe I wasn't producing enough eggs, right? There was some number. You're you're the expert. You might know all this data better than me. <laughs> well, but. let me just pause right here because I actually want to take this a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, there are going to be a lot of people that are listening right now that are where you were like in those couple of years, right? Where they're like, hmm, I'm not getting pregnant. Maybe I should go to my doctor. Maybe I should go to a fertility specialist. Maybe they've tried Clomid or something. I want you to try to like, even if you close your eyes and go back in time, when you walked into the fertility clinic for the first time, like, can you remember like, like what they talked to you about? Like exactly kind of what they did so that if someone's on this journey, what could you teach them or what would you expect at a fertility clinic, not just your OBGYN's office? So there was a lot of paperwork that I filled out going into it with okay. a lot of details about history. Um, Genetics. That was probably part of it. Just, you know, questions about health history, um, reproductive health history. Had you ever gotten pregnant before? You know, had, had you had pap smears? You know, just all yeah. kinds of things. Okay. And, but really, I think what it didn't, didn't really resonate with me is that these specialists, their job is to get me pregnant. And I still was of the mindset that it's probably not going to happen or they were just going to, it's going to be a really long process if it ever happens. And so I, in hindsight, I'm like, you know, their job is to get me pregnant. They're going to move me through and do this as quick as possible um, based on how my body is responding. And I probably would have had more optimism going in if I had thought about it that way. But they did a lot of lab work, um, did ultrasounds, 
you know, tested my husband's um, motility and sperm counts and all that stuff. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people don't know is it's like they think like sperm count, but it's also like the shape of the sperm. It's also like the motility. Like there's so many, like who knew there were all these measures of sperm, you know, but there are. And we talked about like what medications I tried before, what might, what might we do first, you know, kind of this is what we'll try first. If that doesn't work, then we'll do this. If that doesn't work, then we'll do that. What types of options did they give you? There was, I think the drug was called Femara. Um, it was not Clomid, but something different. That might be the wrong drug name. Um, but it wasn't, it was something different from Clomid that my doctor said had been successful for people. And then if that didn't work, we try IUI. And if that didn't work, then we look at IVF. Okay. And so it's like, okay, I feel good about this. Um, my, it, it ultimately ended up seeming like my left ovary was lazy and it just didn't work as well as my right one. And so maybe that was part of the problem that there just weren't as many chances for egg and sperm to meet up, but who knew for sure. So we started, um, I took the medication and was just getting started on it. And then my husband and I went to, um, a weekend getaway trip in Dallas and my sister-in-law was for her wedding shower my husband was going to be a weekend warrior, play basketball with his friends. And I'm at the shower and get a phone call that my husband has gotten a severe injury. He's being taken away on an ambulance to a hospital in Dallas. Turned out he had torn his patellar tendon and was immobilized and was going to need surgery. And so that was kind of like, well, that's going to make it interesting to try to get get pregnant. pregnant. (laughs) So I can think of one way (laughs) this could be easily done. Right. (laughs) But it was also like, oh, this is weird. (laughs) What are we going to do here? So we decided to fast forward through the process and go straight to IUI. Okay. Just because my husband was squeamish about his knee and I wasn't trying to hurt anything. And right. we were just kind of, <laughs> I mean, this is weird. Oh my God. I feel like it would be, I just want to say giddy up, but that's so inappropriate. But oh well. Uh, I just needed to say that out loud. Yeah, for sure. So, so IUI was decided. So, and, and really, it's kind of a blessing that we sped through that process. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to push pause though. Because because you're laughing with me. And so I feel like I could ask you this question because I feel like you may have asked your husband this question, but like, I'm very curious about the, de- the sample deposit. <laughs> so do they, for IUI, like, can that be done at home or do you have to do it in the clinic? Like, can you deposit it and then bring it in? I'm pretty or- sure that was happening in the clinic. Yes. The Cause clinic. I remember okay. a husband immobilized Limping, okay. going into the clinic. I, but so he only deposited one time? Mm. Well, he had to I think give, he had to do it multiple times because we did multiple rounds of IUI. This is okay. the part where it's like, I know it's crazy that all these details are fuzzy, but... You have four kids. Okay. Fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I give you permission for them to all be fuzzy. Yeah. And we are going to learn so much from you, <laughs> even in the fuzziness. So, okay. So, so he gives his deposit. Then what, what do they do with, with your body? So I was being monitored for um, how my ovaries were doing. I was giving myself shots to like trick, like trigger shots to. Okay stimulate the egg to come out and then we would time the IUI with 
that process. Okay. So, so it's going in for like monitoring, um, just to kind of really track to see where the and the monitoring were. is done by what blood work and um, ultrasound. Oh, yep. mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I think that was no? it. Okay. I think that was so they it. can kind of like buy your blood levels and the ultrasound, like see the follicle That's and like right. it's go time. Okay. That's right. So, so it often ended up Saturday or Sunday morning. I would go in and the time would be right. And, you know, jokes about turkey basters and things, but essentially, you know, just, is that essentially what it is? Essentially what so it are seemed you, like. Do you put your legs in like stirrups or like what? You just lay on a table. Okay. They, Put the semen in you, and then you just... Does it hurt? Chill. No. So, it didn't hurt at all. I didn't know... So, it did... Okay, I should probably know things like this, but I've, I've never asked this deep of question. Do they put the semen just inside your vagina, or does it go... They put it up higher. They, so, they go through the They cervix. help it do some work. Yeah, they take some of the leg work. Up, okay. So, they do get it up higher. Higher. I wasn't I'm sure if they went into the uterus or not, or if they it still needs to go through the cervix itself. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I'll, know that part. So, they put it up higher. Let's just go with they that. They got so it where there would be most success, probably. Does it look like a turkey baster like do you get to see it or no it's just something's happening and I am you don't even confident know. they showed it to me but it was also still in this phase of being pretty modest and uncomfortable with yeah. so many people all up in my business yeah. so at any point though were you like are you sure this is my husband's sperm like you didn't I pick probably, up the wrong container I, I'm a trusting person. Okay. I, I give trust easily. It's, if it did, we'll never know because IUI never worked for me. Okay. And what we started to learn through that process is that I was having this mid-cycle spotting. And my doctor made a comment to me. She was like, you know, I wonder if the egg and the sperm are meeting up, but they just don't have the right environment for implantation. So let's do an endometrial biopsy. Okay. So and you were having maybe many miscarriages. Exactly. Interesting. And just didn't, didn't know. know. Yeah. So they end up, you know, you want to talk about pain. Endometrial biopsy is something that I was not prepared for how much that would hurt. And the, the pain didn't last long. But, I mean, you just imagine a knife just kind of digging into you for yeah. a moment. So it's and, done vaginally mm-hmm. and then they go through the cervix. Yes. Okay. And they take tissue from your endometrial lining. Yeah. Um, so. And anytime we dilate the cervix, it hurts. Uh, I yeah. mean, think about your cervix opening to have a baby or your cervix opening. I've, I don't know if you've ever had an I, IUD or anybody. No. If, well, anyone who's listening has had an IUD. It, that can also be uncomfortable. Think about like just a long pap smear yeah. <laughs> when they yeah. go through. And then maybe it was the extra little knife yeah. stuck in there for this endometrial And then biopsy. grabbing tissue. Yeah. So um, that was the kind of thing I kind of wanted to fall off the table over. So And they don't give you any pain medication? They just or? like take ibuprofen or something. You okay. Know? So I was like, oh, okay. If you need to take ibuprofen, you might want to take more than you would normally. <laughs> so that was shipped off to um, a research facility. And then we waited for the results. And um, at that point in time, figured probably going to have to do IUI, IVF because IUI had not worked. So okay. sort of wrapped my brain around that. And then the results came back that my endometrial lining was not the right environment. The hormones were off. And it was like, see, I knew it. I knew I had a hormone imbalance somewhere. 
perfect. So you had an answer. Yeah, so I got an answer. And so we went through, with that information, we went through the um, an IVF process, like a protocol to test it out and see how would it work. The traditional protocol did not give me the right hormone balance. So this means I did have more endometrial biopsies to okay. test that. So oh. I, again, I didn't ask for Valium. I, sh- I didn't even occur to me. This yeah. is, I should think more about these medications. I don't even exist. know if that they would do that. <laughs> I, I was know. like, I just threw but that out there, but least, I was like, you at know. At least this time I knew what to expect. So that didn't work. So what, what my doctor did was um, put me in, basically in menopause I'd okay. take medication, just kind of get me down to nothing, so to speak, with hormones. Oh, God, were you having hot flashes? Oh, I'm yeah. I mean, hot. I went through, like... I'm sweating all, as you're talking. The, all the stages. Like, bad mood, everything? I'm sure. I, you should ask my husband. I'm sure there were some okay. bad moods. And then we used a different IVF protocol to kind of get my hormones to hopefully create the perfect environment for implantation. Okay. So we did another endometrial biopsy and it showed it was perfect. Oh my gosh. So we had the answer. So during all of this, I was also doing egg retrievals because we knew that because we had to create the right environment for implantation, we were going to have to um, do a frozen transfer. Okay, because you'd have to move quickly. Yeah. So we did egg retrievals. So and because my ovaries were showing not as great of a response to all the stimulation drugs to encourage my ovaries to create lots of follicles, um, we decided we would do two egg retrievals so that I would ultimately have, kind of like I had to do two retrievals just to get the same amount of eggs that a normal person would from one retrieval process. Through all all of that, um, we ended up having, so I ended up having two embryos to transfer when the time came. And... Um, I don't know if they're from two different egg retrieval stages and, and for, who knows one one was um, August and one was December for retrievals and then they were frozen and then in April we did the transfer okay and um, that was very easy process to go in I mean after all the biopsies and other things by this point I'm kind of like used to people being all up in my business so with IVF though then they actually put the um, embryo embryo. inside your uterus that's right and Mm -hmm. so we transferred two because I only had two and Mm -hmm. um, I can't even imagine how delicate the instrument must be oh I know it was it was so awesome like we had a picture of the two embryos and got to watch on a screen as they were transferring them into me. Oh, so and, cool. And then um, for that, they did give me Valium or something to okay. help me relax. Okay. Um, and hung out there for a little while at where the procedure was done and then was sent home and told to be on bed rest for like 48 ish hours I think okay and I think there's mixed mixed research about if that really makes a difference or not my doctor's philosophy was if it will help you relax and if it works or doesn't work if it doesn't work then you'll at least have peace of mind that you didn't do something wrong yeah by like 
exercising or something. You know, you won't blame yourself. That makes sense to me. That feels right. Yeah. And, you know, I had tried like acupuncture and all these things throughout the process. I told you it was all fuzzy. It's all coming back to me now. And so I was down with just having a reason to sit on the bed for just relax. Chill. Yeah. I watched a lot of Dawson's Creek reruns. You needed like a mental break. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I think that was on a Thursday, and then Saturday night I was able to get up and do things. So we went to the Bruce Springsteen concert, and that's really getting on your feet. <laughs> well, wow. we were in a in the <laughs> like box, so it was okay. it was a relaxed way to go to a concert, but um, it was fun. And first of all, you and your husband sound like very fun people because we've heard about <laughs> a lot of vacations already. Was his was his leg healed by now? It was okay. Yeah. So, so this was okay. like. A year and a half later. Later. Okay. Yeah. So he had to basically learn how to walk again. Um, He learned how to walk just in time for his sister's wedding. And, you know, it was all fine. Okay. Yeah. He ended up running uh, races, 5Ks and things and winning in his age group. And so he was a track athlete back in the day. Okay. Wow. Yeah. um, Then then starts like that kind of infamous two-week wait. And I was determined not to take a pregnancy test on my own because I didn't want any false positives. And if it was negative, I didn't want to know yet. So fast forward, like it was 12 to 14 days after the transfer. And um, And do they tell you to take an at-home kit? No, they tell you not to, but so many people tend to. Everybody's been surprised that I didn't. Yeah. Um, But I just had been through so much. And quite frankly, at this point, by the time you've gone through all of this, for me, I just was kind of hopeless. I was not optimistic. And so I go, I had to do blood work in the morning and then wait for them to call me and let me know if it worked or not. Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. I was at work and um, it was right around lunchtime, got a phone call from my doctor's office and the nurse, she told me that I was pregnant and I was just in tears and she, I heard her say like, this is good news, right? And I was like, of course it is, but I'm just bawling out of control and my HCG levels were very great solid numbers like there was no question I wasn't you know a little pregnant I mean it, it was, was definite it was super and solid. at this point because you implanted two being pregnant doesn't you still don't know you if don't you're know. pregnant with one or you're pregnant yeah. with two you just, just know you're pregnant something's 
something took. And okay. so then I went back over the course of a couple weeks or three weeks or so for more blood work to just see if my HCG levels were continuing to increase. increase as they would if you were pregnant health and everything was doing what it was supposed to do. And it was, and my numbers continue to be on the higher end. And so then I, you know, I started Googling like HCG levels, blah, 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 High, on yeah. X number, you know, X day of pregnancy. And, and I started to wonder, well, maybe they're twins. Uh, maybe they both took, but I really didn't know yet because I hadn't had an ultrasound. Yeah. And so then finally we get to the point where it's time for an ultrasound. I guess I was probably seven, eight weeks pregnant at that point and go in for the ultrasound and my doctor is like and here's your baby and I was like that's amazing and then I'm thinking I guess it's just one and and then she goes and here's your other baby and I was like what oh my goodness <laughs> so um I was super excited was your husband with you yes okay yeah. awesome he was okay. with me so you guys are just like flipping out. At yeah. I mean, we, and Cause I, it's been now what a four year journey. Probably. Yeah. I mean, that it just makes me want to hold 31 <laughs> at that point. So yeah. it had been a while yeah. and we had been very open with our family about what we were going through. Um, that was important to me. I needed that support. And, um, so we just immediately called them and told them it was twins. And so there was none of that like big reveal to any of our friends or our family. And some of our friends knew what we were going through. Um, did you have the embryos tested before implantation? No. No. Okay. So you didn't know their gender or anything anything about them. Had a couple more um, ultrasounds, I think, at the specialist, and then was released to my OBGYN to for do the rest. The rest, and I did because I had done IVF and it was twins. I was considered high risk, so I went regularly to maternal fetal uh, a specialist okay. um, for in depth ultrasounds just to make sure everything's good. Did like the nuchal fold screening and um, basically all of my ultrasounds were done at that specialist and my OB would test, you know, she would listen for heart rates and make sure everything's good with me and then they did all the monitoring of the babies. So how did the pregnancy go? I was super anxious during that pregnancy and I really, in hindsight, I'm like, you know, I probably should have been on something for anxiety if that would have been okay. I never talked to my doctor about it because I I didn't realize how anxious I was until after I delivered and had postpartum anxiety. And then I really reflected on this was going on the entire pregnancy. And for so many women, especially with first time babies, this is very normal. Yeah. And when you have it, when you're pregnant, it typically does not go away at delivery. So I, and describe it, describe post, describe that anxiety. Every day I thought something was going to go wrong with the pregnancy. And I was constantly looking for symptoms that something was going wrong. So every time I'd go to the bathroom, looking for spotting in anything, I just would be like, okay, this is it. Like a hyper obsession of like negative thought that you just cannot get rid of. That's right. No matter what. So Um, so you had all this anxiety. I did. And um, did you talk to your doctor about it? 
No. Okay. I didn't. We're so silent, too. We well, just, and I just, I, I mean, I kind of babies. had gotten so used to this anxiety. And honestly, going through all the fertility stuff gave me this false sense of control. It was like, well, we were able to control the environment and create a baby. And 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 then I wasn't in control anymore, but I wanted to be in control. I, I really know that's at the heart of my anxiety. So, um, but all my ultrasounds were good. And yeah. then we found out the gender and we did a fun reveal with our family. It was a surprise to us. We found so out with everybody. what are they? A boy and a girl. So a b- one boy and one girl right. are your first set of twins. That's one right. boy and one girl. Okay, so you did a reveal. Yep. And I mean, it was like the greatest day of my life finding out that I had a boy and a girl. I'm sure it would have been the greatest day of my life if it was two boys or two girls, but yeah. it was just so amazing. Um, and it made it feel more real. Yeah. And then um, continued along. I, I'd say I started to not feel very good probably after like, I don't know, week 28 or 29. And my mom was kind of noticing that I looked kind of swollen and puffy. And um, then I started to have some signs of um, preeclampsia and there was like, like there was my uh, blood pressure was going up and just a lot of swelling. And then my urine tests were showing some, but how were you feeling? I felt like crap. <laughs> I yeah. just, but never had been like pregnant to this extent before, and certainly yeah. not with twins. So uh, it was hard for me to know. Well, is this really? Did you have headaches something? or dizziness? No, I didn't have blurry that. vision. No, no. Okay. My blood pressure never got like that high. I mean, it was just. But you had than enough normal. markers yes. that you had the diagnosis. Yep. So at like, yeah. Well, I think I was week thirty-two. I, my blood pressure did get higher than anyone would want. I don't remember the number. I did. We did the shots just to strengthen the baby's lungs, just in case they were born. But they weren't. But my blood pressure uh, did go up. So then I was put on hospital bed rest around 32 weeks. And I, I did not realize that meant I was literally going to be in the hospital on bed rest until they were born. So move into the hospital. But I, I work in healthcare. I kind of felt like I was at home um, or at work. I mean, it just, yeah. I was able to continue working while I was there. My team was amazing. And I was in grad school at the time, too. So I continued to do grad school work. Everybody was very supportive of me at my new um, home office. Did people come visit you? Uh, tons of visitors. Okay. I even um, hired someone while I was on bed rest in the hospital. Like, and did you do your interview there? Oh my me. gosh, yeah. I love this. <laughs> yeah, so, and that was very helpful for me just to kind of keep my mind mm-hmm. focused on other things while my body did what it needed to do for the babies. Was and your blood pressure better? It was. Sitting and resting? I mean, it was yeah. still never like, down, but it wasn't in a like super scare. I didn't, I, I don't think I ever got like magnesium or anything yeah. like that. So, so real quick though, did they come and take your blood pressure like every 30 minutes mm-mm. or like, or Not, did they mostly just leave you alone on bed? Yeah, it, it was just the standard, uh, I want to say probably four to six times a day. I don't, I don't remember, okay. but just, um, it shift changes and then periods in between okay. throughout the day. So. And then like what blood work and urine too? 
Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. There was blood work. There were urine checks. There was. I had to basically pee into this cup that was just attached to the toilet okay. every time. And okay. I remember the day that I didn't have to pee into a cup that someone was then taking and checking. I was like, freedom! Yes! <laughs> Privacy! So, yeah. You know? Then, you know, my, my body was just hanging out. Babies were cooking. They were growing. Um, we were monitoring baby B, who's my daughter, for um, her growth. She was kind of not growing as as fast as baby A. He, okay. My son seemed to be hogging the nutrition. So there was a point where it was like if she didn't grow X amount, then I would be induced. But every time she she made the growth that they were looking for. It cut off. Everything was fine. And finally, at like 37 and a half-ish weeks, we started the induction process. Oh, my goodness. This is great. So you, your water never broke. Like nope. everything was stable. You yeah. were safe. Did your husband, did he sleep at the hospital he too? He stayed every night with me. Oh, every my God. Every night. He hung out. We, I mean, High five to we your husband. We had my room decorated for Christmas because I was there through over Thanksgiving. The um, hospital did a fun Thanksgiving feast for mm-hmm. me and my parents and my um, in-laws and my brother and his family. So they, we were treated really well. And then did you, so you didn't have to eat hospital food like every day, like your husband could bring yeah. you dinner yeah. and all I that kind whatever. of stuff. Okay. So 37 and a half weeks, yep. Sunday which is night. awesome. Yeah. It was a Sunday night, start the induction process. And again, I just didn't really know what this was going to involve. I, Babies I, were head down though. So this was were. an induction for a vaginal right. birth. Okay. They were head down. And I honestly had been open all along to, if I need a C-section, I'll have a C-section. Uh, if I can deliver naturally, I'll do it. Like if I need medicine, we'll do it. I just, I had kind of at that point, I talked about like the control earlier. And then I reached a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just trusting doctors because doctors got me pregnant and they're monitoring. God. I'm not the expert anymore. So, and they got you to 37 and a half weeks gestation. Right. I mean, this is amazing that's with preclamps. Right. Yeah. Like you're in great hands. Yeah. I think that all women, um, you'll hear me say this over and over again on this podcast, but one of the things is um, from being a doula is that I coach my clients to being open and flexible because you have no idea what kind of labor you're going to be given. That's right. Don't try to control it. You have, I think that's you have no control. We, we prepare for what we want. That's right. And then we're open to what happens. That's right. So tell me about how the induction went. It was, um, it was hard. I mean, it was, there were parts that were painful. I didn't know what to expect, really. Um, I had an amazing labor and delivery nurse who was just so caring. And um, she did an amazing job of helping me kind of through the stages. Um, so Sunday night it started. Monday I was in labor at some point labor started and got an epidural and then pain medicine were off. They gave me a little more. It was a little too much. My blood pressure went crazy. My daughter's um, heart rate started dropping. So I had to back off of it and then kind of start all over again with, with getting me to a point where I could push. So finally at like 2 a.m., uh, Tuesday morning after the started Sunday night, I was to a point where I needed, a, it was time to push. And so but you were numb, you were comfortable, yeah. everything was stable. Yeah, I do think 
pain medicine had started wearing off quite a bit and I was, but I didn't want more. I was afraid of what could happen. So just trying to push, took me a while to get comfortable with the, I mean, I had to, I was laying down and they were telling me push like you got a poop and that I was moved to the OR for the actual pushing of babies in case I needed an emergency C-section. And I hear this is pretty standard, right? And so that most twin deliveries are here in our community that's right are being done in the operating room just in case and and as it turned out i'm very glad that's where i was because i pushed baby a out boy healthy um time to push baby b out doctor thought it was gonna be a a few more minutes and actually i was just like i gotta push now baby b came flying out Uh, my husband said it looked like dr cotter almost like football Um, i'm sure it wasn't that dramatic but it's fun to think about that way and and then things went bad so pause for a second what were their times of delivery how far they were 15 minutes apart 15 minutes okay so that is pretty fast to push one baby out and then push another baby out yeah um okay and then i felt a lot of fluid coming out of me and i thought i was peeing on myself and my doctor's face told me a very different story and i was hemorrhaging okay and that's when things got really traumatic for me and i was very glad that i was in an or they um it was just like suddenly a just huge team of people descended upon me and um started trying to fix everything but i I lost a lot of blood how were you feeling were you like i need to vomit i'm gonna pass out i was so scared i was laying there on the or table just looking straight up and because I, I work in healthcare, I, I do work with a lot of these people who are now, in my opinion, working to save my life is how it felt. And yeah. I just kept telling myself, do not die, do not die. You did not go through all this just to have it end this yeah. way. And I just kept giving myself a pep talk and things are going in and out. Things would get dark. I would feel like I was going to pass out. And then I would like force my eyes open again. And I don't know how much time lapsed, but I remember my doctor saying, I feel a mass like. I feel a mass. Has anybody ever told you you have like a heart-shaped uterus or anything? And and no one had told me that. In fact, when I started my fertility journey, one of the first procedures I had um, was to just like examine your uterus and make sure your tubes are open. And that doctor had said, your uterus is perfect. It's beautiful. And so I, I actually told her that while all this is going on. I was like, no, they told me I have a perfect, beautiful uterus. And so I guess they... Um, my doctor took a sampling of this mass that she felt and sent it off to pathology. Luckily, I got stabilized. There was a balloon in me to stop the hemorrhaging. And I was moved to... Um, Did you have a blood transfusion? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I I lost a lot of blood. I received a lot of blood. Okay. Um, and I, I don't remember the exact amounts, but it was a lot. And when I, so I went to the OR for recovery. And meanwhile, I'm not seeing my babies. I'm like, I just had two babies. Is your husband with them? My husband is with them. And he okay. also really didn't know what was going on with me. He was okay. first time dad by himself with two babies. Our families were there in waiting rooms and they started to, you know, wonder is something what's going on. They were like, had ears up to rooms trying to hear if they could hear baby cries and stuff. So yeah. there were there a lot of worry for a lot of people. Finally, my husband came in um, to the OR. He was allowed to right before I was taken away. I, my doctor told him kind of what had happened, uh, that I was stable. I was moved to a recovery room and in the PACU, like in a surgical area, even though I hadn't had surgery at this point. Yeah. And I, 
I w- had my own team of people who were monitoring me while we waited for the results to come back from pathology of this tissue that they or whatever they had taken from me. My doctor came in and told me the results and she said, it's uterus tissue. You're, you have a partially inverted uterus. And that's, I guess, related to the hemorrhage and, um, so were you like, how does that happen? I, I know. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, I think it was related to twin pregnancy. I was at higher risk for hemorrhage and um, this a long inverted labor. uterus because of a long labor, um, all the drugs I'd been given for an induction. So hindsight, it's like, oh, I was at really high risk for this. But yeah. um, so now we know. So now we have to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. And I was so my one of the maternal fetal specialist doctors that had taken care of me, he came in with one of the other OBs that had also been taking care of me. They had researched a non-surgical way to fix this, but neither had ever done it before. And so the specialist is teaching the OB over me how to do this. And I've got this balloon in me, so they are going to use saline that they put in through the balloon and use pressure to revert my uterus back to the way it should be. Okay. And I couldn't have pain medicine for it because I needed to be of sane mind, I guess, in case I needed to have an emergency hysterectomy. I needed to sign off on that. So um, I'm laying on the table. It's kind of like the equivalent of shoving a three pound baby back up in you. Okay. The worst pain of your life. It is the worst pain I have ever felt in my life like I was but I work with these people and so I was trying to be really like professional and positive and I was just laying on the bed going guys guys this hurts really bad guys guys like wanting to fall off the table in pain but they were watching on the ultrasound seeing that it was working and they were like but this is working this is working and and then as soon as they saw that it was working and I wasn't going to have to have a hysterectomy nurse shot up some Dilaudid in my IV and I was like like Thank you. <laughs> Got stabilized. Um, both kids were healthy. My daughter weighed four pounds, four ounces. My son was six pounds. Daughter ended up having to go to the NICU for a few days because her oxygen was doing some weird things. Turns out she just had some really big boogers in her nose that oh had been fully suctioned <laughs> when she was born. So it's so... My son and I went home on Friday, December 19th, and my daughter came home that Sunday. And then that's when I realized, well, the recovery from all that blood loss is intense. I can't even imagine. I I mean, felt like I'd been run over by a, a truck or five. And then... Did you continue to have transfusions? No. No. Okay. Um, but I took iron and I think, yeah, just iron. And, um kids were healthy, learning how to take care of two babies, but didn't realize at the time, super anxious. And um, that first night that I brought my son home, I didn't sleep at all. I felt like if I didn't stare at him, something would happen. And so exhausted all the time. Finally, like a month and a half into maternity leave, I was talking to a good friend and she was like, you know, postpartum anxiety is a thing like maybe that's going on and I had PPA if anybody's listening google it (laughs) yeah so I had done this questionnaire with my doctor before I left the hospital and I didn't register any signs of depression 
And so I reached out to my doctor and was like, I feel, I feel like, I don't know, something's going on. And so we did the screening again, and I definitely indicated that I was having postpartum anxiety. So she gave me medication. And what medication did you take? I be, uh, Zoloft. Zoloft. Okay. And did you feel like it worked? Yeah, okay. absolutely. In fact, before I started taking it, I said to my husband, I'm really worried that I'm not going to worry enough on this. And he oh was like, goodness. that's the sign that, that you need to take some medication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it worked, and I didn't worry if I was worrying enough or too little or anything. And how long did it take to kick in? I, I probably a couple of weeks. Okay, and I was while I was on maternity leave, I was finishing grad school, and so babies were born in December. And then I went back to work in March, and then I graduated um, from grad school in May. And I had given myself a goal where I thought maybe I'll try to wean off of this after I graduate because that'll be a big burden off of me. And so I tried and, and I, I was fine. Although I do think in hindsight, I probably should have stayed on it a little longer because I would still have all these worries, but it just was not nearly what it had been. But in hindsight, I probably could have stayed on it longer. But so then we just got used to life with twins. And I love how you just say that, like just life with twins. Like <laughs> yeah, it's we so normal. Settled into our routine and they're amazing kids. We were went to daycare. We were working full time and and then in um I was on birth control because I didn't think I could get pregnant after all that that we had been through. Yeah. And quite frankly, who even has time to have sex. Do all the things yeah. to make a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, or IUI or IVF. Exactly. <laughs> right. And I had asked my doctor um, when we figured out what my issue was. and But before I knew I was pregnant, I was like, okay, so say this works and I get pregnant and then we want to have another baby down the road. Would I have to go through IVF or could we just go ahead and create the right environment hormonally and yeah. then do IUI or something? And she was like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not even going to worry about all that because one healthy pregnancy can reset your body and your hormones. You may not ever have this issue again, but I didn't believe her because of everything I'd been through. And so, um, life continued on April, um, 2017, my husband and I, um, did enjoy each other's company one night and but didn't and and really I remember like after we had sex I was like I feel weird like something feels weird this feels very different yeah and I I, but then I just like put it out of my head and then um fast forward to May and I was like I should probably have had a period by now I logged on to some app and put in all my dates because honestly, after I'd had my first kids, my period was like clockwork. I didn't have any mid-cycle spotting. I had no oh. signs of a hormone imbalance anymore, but I didn't yeah. believe that I could still get pregnant. Yeah. So um, I didn't tell my husband what I was thinking. That was a Sunday night. We'd been out of town. He was out of town for work. I was working from home that Monday morning and I was like, I didn't have a period yet. The app had told me you were like, I was five days late. You should take a test, it said. and But, but I had missed like the first morning pee. So I was like, I'm not going to take a test yet, but I am going to tell my husband where, where my mind is and that I think I need to take a test. And so I texted him and he was like, what? 
okay, take a test. And then I was like, but I'm going to wait till tomorrow morning. But then I couldn't focus on anything else. And I found one test at our house left over. Left over. I love it. So I took it and it was positive immediately. And I was just in disbelief. And, um, panicking a bit because of the traumatic delivery that I'd had. And so I sent a picture of the positive test to my husband who was in a meeting and he was like, what? Called me immediately. Then I immediately texted my friend. She's the labor and delivery nurse who was so amazing to me with my first set of twins and told her what was going on. And she was like, oh, I'm sure it won't happen again. I even texted my OB at the time. She was not my OB anymore. She had changed positions. And she was like, I'm sure that congratulations. I'm sure everything's going to be fine because you had twins the first time. It's just going to be a whole different ball game. And then um, a few weeks later, I had my OB appointment. Um, the doctor that was taking care of me was the doctor who had ultimately fixed my um, inverted uterus. And so he was very familiar with my past. And Did they write a paper on that or anything? Yes. Okay. I was they presented like, at, com- at a conference, oh, they told me. Maybe, could I, I, we'll try, yeah. maybe if I can, I'll put it in the show notes. Figure that out. Because I was like, I'm assuming that they wrote a paper on this yeah. if this was the first time it had been done. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, so I digress. Then um, he they didn't have time to do an ultrasound at that appointment, but from his exam, he was like, you're absolutely pregnant. But I didn't believe it because of my past. And I was just like, I I don't know. I feel like there could be something wrong. Can you just do an ultrasound? So I know this is good. So he was like, yeah, come back tomorrow. So my husband had been with me at that first appointment and, but he had schedule conflicts the next day. And I was like, don't worry about coming with me. We know I'm pregnant. This is just for my peace of mind. So I go in and, um, they do the ultrasound and the sonographer goes, uh, I don't know how to tell you this. And I was just like, I knew it. I knew there was something wrong. And she said, there are two babies. <laughs> and I I'm oh, like once again almost fell chair. off the table. Yes. I like oh straight my, my life about to fall off the and table. And how old were your twins? They home? were two, not quite two and a half. Oh my gosh. Everybody that's listening, just hug Katie. (laughs) Hug her. Were they identical? Were they fraternal? They appeared to be identical from what she could tell. Which is a miracle. Yeah. And so rare. And nothing, you know, I mean, we, we don't know how that happened, but all I could think was... I knew I felt different that night, Uh, like, you know, a couple months ago. So a million people, I mean, like probably more than that, but it is so common for women to feel conception. Many women feel conception. You felt it. It's amazing. I'd never felt it before. Yeah. So (laughs) many women will tell you they feel like they just feel weird. They feel electricity. They feel they just their whole entire body feels different and they can feel conception. So I felt it. And now I have an ultrasound to prove that that embryo divided and there were two heartbeats. And my doctor, I immediately said, can you get the doctor? It's probably so dramatic sounding. And I think she even said, this is good news, right? And I feel like that that was the second time in a pregnancy experience where someone had said to me, this is good news, right? I'm like, of course it's good news. Yes. But I'm freaking out oh. because I believe I almost died the first time I delivered twins. Yeah. That's how I felt. I don't know how close it really came, but it felt that way. Yeah. And so my doctor comes in and he's like, I actually think he said, well, shit, as he's looking at the ultrasound pictures. And um, 
he also made a comment about I should probably get some lightning rods installed on my house because how does this happen twice, especially given my past. And um, the rest is history. I had an amazing pregnancy. I had no preeclampsia. I felt great. I did have some cervical shortening at one point. I was back with my same maternal fetal specialist, and they were the same doctor who had helped fix the uterus. He was my primary one doing all my ultrasounds. My uterus somehow magically lengthened back out, and then we just quit measuring it because who cared anymore? And and we did go back and forth a lot, like, how will I deliver The babies had both been head down and I truly felt like my body's got it this time. I know what I'm doing. I, I, part of me really wanted to just go for vaginal delivery, but then we also felt like, you know, if you're already open and for a C-section, if something starts going wrong, it's much easier to fix it when you're already open. I was just torn the whole time, but we decided let's schedule a C-section for 36 weeks. I had one ultrasound, one final one with a specialist a few days prior to my scheduled C-section and my baby B had turned breech. And that was the best news for me because it made it, it solidified in my mind, a C-section is what needs to happen. Yeah. And I am so grateful for that baby turning breech. Yeah. And so I had my C-section. I didn't really know what to expect out of this. I, I was mourning the end of my pregnancy because it had felt really good. I did reach a point where I was uncomfortable and knew the girls needed to come on out. So two identical twin girls. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They were girls. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. Oh, no, it's okay. So so we um, had the C-section, and I probably should have taken some anxiety medication because I was very scared about what might happen that day. And it all worked out and got through the C-section. Baby girls were healthy, perfect. No one had to go to the NICU. We all went home together. How much did they weigh? Um, Baby A was five pounds, 10 ounces. Baby B was four, eight or four, 12. Isn't it So really similar to your first, you know? And they have been maintaining that weight difference. And I'm like, girls, you know, you are the third and fourth babies when I can't even remember your birth weights. Like, oh my goodness. (laughs) With clarity. So now all the fuzziness is like, come back though. Like as we've been talking, like, I just feel like you got real clear. I don't know if you wanted to go down those journeys, you know, I didn't cry. So that's a big step uh, in the right direction. High five that. Yeah, girl. (laughs) And I, I will say, um, first set of twins born December 16th, second set of twins born December 29th. And you have a lot of birthday we parties. We do a lot in December, and it's amazing. They are three years apart, and the best of friends. And my son, he's the only boy of the kids, and he is the best big brother. Oh, I love it. Amazing. So, Katie, after so many years of not getting pregnant in a fertility journey, and then IVF or IUI, and then you know successful IVF, and then an all natural identical twin. I mean, you just have an incredible story, and thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go. 
and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.